to the client in front of me. It really was when they said, um, when I asked for some feedback, when I realized that I lost the listing, um, you know, what could I have done better? And they really blatantly said, literally said, you know, we just felt like you didn't meet our needs and you weren't really listening to us. And that hearing that at least I had some concrete evidence that I was, that I wasn't listening. This is the Sales Bible Podcast, Episode 350, How to Turn a Loss into a Success, an interview with Jennifer Sino-Tucker. Welcome to Sales Babble, the podcast that shares selling secrets for non-sellers. And now your host, Pat Helmers. Hello, sales babblers. This is Pat Helmers. And sometimes you just need a splash of ice water in your face to wake up to the mistakes that you're making in life. That's what happened to Jennifer Sino Tucker, our guest. She'd lost a million-dollar deal, and boy, did that hurt. She asked why she didn't earn the deal, and they told her, you didn't listen. With over 20,000 realtors in Long Island, she's got a ton of competition, and she knew she had to step up her game, and that's exactly what she did, and that is what we're going to be talking about today. Jennifer is a person who never saw herself as a salesperson, but here she is now, the Vice President of Business Development at Exit Realty. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, with no further ado, let's get to the interview. Welcome, Jennifer. Are you ready to babble? I'm ready to rumble for sure. <laughs> we're not rumbling, we're babbling. <laughs> sales rumble. Um, you are a real estate agent. That I am. I truly am. Yes. We were chatting just a little bit earlier. It was not your first choice in life, was it? No, it, it definitely was not um, my first choice. Um after graduating, getting my master's degree in education, I chose to be a, um, an educator and a gym teacher, nonetheless. Um, yeah, I took a traditional route with um, high school, college, master's degree. And uh, yeah, never thought I'd be end up uh, in sales. In fact, um, I'm one of four children and my mom always says that she's the la I'm the last one that she thought would go into sales or real estate. For that matter. <laughs> well, you're a perfect match for sales babble because that's kind of what we focus on are people who never, who don't really see themselves as salespeople, but for one reason or another have made a decision that they want to get into the persuasion business. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I thought I'd be persuading children, but uh, no, it turns out I'm, I'm more like helping adults find their dream home. Why? Why real estate? Um, you know, I've taken, I've taken some other avenues regarding entrepreneurship that just didn't work out. And I saw my mom raise four children on her own with this financially freeing mindset. And at the time I had just become recently divorced as well. And I figured if she could do it, I definitely can. Um, you know, and, and it just kind of 
seems like I wanted to create her and extend her legacy and what she had created through real estate. And um, it just kind of took off and she was a great mentor through it. I've known a ton of people who've dabbled in real estate. In fact, a lot of people do dabble that you probably have an awful lot of um, awful lot of competition out there. What separates you from those dabblers? Yeah, I, I mean, just in my um, county alone, there are over 20,000 real estate agents, licensed agents. And um, I think I didn't really differentiate myself in the beginning. I've probably followed the status quo and did what everyone else did, put their name and face on a sign and really try to market the property the best way they did. And it wasn't until I lost the deal that I realized that I needed to really brand myself a little bit better and change my perspective in how I was treating my clients. And it was then when I began to focus on the relationship with the person in front of me, as opposed to the transactions and how many units I was um, going, going to do that year or how much my commission was going to be, how, you know, how many clients was I going to speak to. When I started focusing on the person in front of me and the relationship that I was going to create with them, that's what really differentiated myself from everyone else. How did you come to that epiphany? It was not being in tune when I lost that deal, not being in tune and listening to the client in front of me. It really was when they said, um, when I asked for some feedback, when I realized that I lost the listing, um, you know, what could I have done better? And they really blatantly said, literally said, you know, we just felt like you didn't meet our needs and you weren't really listening to us. And that hearing that, at least I had some concrete evidence that I was, that I wasn't listening, you know, in the past I thought I was, but apparently I wasn't, I was just kind of um, rolling through that um, presentation at the time. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're laughing now. I wasn't laughing then. It actually was a cry, crying kind of moment, but it was a teachable moment that I recognized and I'm grateful for it, that I was able to recognize, you know, what I was doing. And basically I was just fumbling through my career in the first uh, three to four years, I want to say. And it, and it was that moment when I lost and it was a big listing. It could, you know, a, a, a nice $1.1 million listing that I lost. And I was like, ah, you know, what kind of happened here? And, and I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that they, they were able to be so honest with me. What were you doing wrong? Um, you know, God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason, and I was not using both ears. <laughs> I, was, I was using my mouth more, um, and I was just talking. I didn't present an upfront contract um, initially, even in or create an agenda for that presentation moment that I was having with them. And I was just kind of fumbling through it and, and didn't realize what was happening. It's kind of what I had learned and taught. But then at that moment, it was, I really need to hone in on who I am and, and who the person is in front of me. You didn't think about quitting the business? 
Um, no, I couldn't at that time. I was too, too invested in the business. I mean, it had been four years and it. I had ultimately let go of my paycheck job as well to become a full-time employee. I didn't look back. I, I couldn't look back. I, I, I don't believe in looking back. That's always kind of been my mindset from the beginning to quit would, would, is not for me. I, I mean, I'm an athlete as well. So I played uh, college basketball and, you know, the, the adverse moments that you meet in athletics, I think ultimately I, I don't know how to quit. I just keep going. Even when you're down 20 points, you still keep playing. Yeah. You're in New York, right? I'm in New York on Long Island. Yes. I have friends in Brooklyn. And they say that the real estate business has just gone insane this year. Definitely. They are on point. It, it has been a bit, bit, bit crazy, but good crazy. Crazy is always good. They had a small place pretty much working from home. Wouldn't, couldn't move around and everybody was moving out as best mm-hmm. as they could. And they were struggling to find a place that had some space. How, how have you stepped up to this challenge? Oh, that's a really good question. I think during these times and and these this pandemic, I mean, I, you know, let alone and we were just talking about really listening to the person in front of you. It was really a nurturing and hand holding experience for many sellers. Um, ultimately, I mean, we were pretty hit pretty hard here. Um, regarding COVID, and there were a lot of deaths, so we did see that turn around in the real estate market where maybe um, children had lost their parents and needed to sell their their home or their family home. And it was really a nurturing kind of process. Uh, I'm actually going through it right now, even with one of my clients as we speak that I, I'm holding their listing as well. And it really becomes, you know, not just and I hate to use the expression, use car salesman kind of attitude, but it's just, uh, you really just need to be present and in the moment and really find yourself grounded with them as you experience the process and you go through the process with, with your client. That's really how I have ultimately stepped up my, um, I would say my sales and I've continued to really grow throughout this. I mean, I'm the top agent in my office. Um, I'm, you know, in the top 10% in my local region. So, uh, you know, I've continued to do well, prosper, and retain relationships um, throughout the pandemic, too. What's your process for business development? How do you acquire new, new leads? Right, right now, about seventy percent of my my business is coming from referrals. Um, my new leads is really um, come from just how do I lead generate? Is really I, I'm a big fan of the like I just said the relationships. So I still like door knock, and and I I love it. <laughs> it's kind of what, what I do. I re, and the other part of that is just farming five hundred. Uh, a 500 um, homes so that I continually stay in contact with those people. I mean, I think maybe in my four years, I've spoke to the same person twice, maybe 
um, you know, maybe a handful of times, but, you know, I never really reach all those people and the area is, does turn over. So, um, I love to code call and, and build a relationship that way. And then just continue to follow up with some drip email campaigns. And like I said, um, drive bys and thing and touch during the holidays. Why during the holidays? I just, you know, I think it's just the special time of year. Um, I'm a big fan of like this time of year, like right in the cusp, like the first two weeks of December, it's like happy Thanksgiving and, and, you know, Merry Christmas, so to speak. And, and and I just kind of touch base because ultimately we usually have like a spring selling season. So this is a good time to really stay in touch and stay in front of the people that I believe are going to sell in the next six months. How does door knocking work? especially during a pandemic, because a lot of people, even like all those politicians running for office, they weren't knocking on doors this year like they. Yes. How does it work? It's the same way it always has. I mean, I'm just asking <laughs> if, there, if there's anything. I people, saying, they're saying, Jennifer, get away from me. Yeah. Don't infect me with your. Yes, I know. I mean, I, I still leave something there, whether it's a business card or what I call a swag bag. Um, you know, so typically when I'm doing an open house, um, I really make this a family business where my daughters are, are, um, door knocking for me, or at least hanging door knockers. Uh, so that's kind of how I stay in touch and just let the neighbors know what's going on in their local community. Um, so that's, that's really how my door knocking kind of works. Oh, so if you're listening to house, you'll go work that, 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 that neighborhood around yeah, that house. Yeah, for sure. I mean, about, a, I, I'll stay with like, with a, within like a hundred homes and I'll just door knock those hundred homes, let them know that this house came on the market, but I farm an area of 500. Um, every two weeks they get a postcard and every other week we are calling those people. That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I know, but I, got, I have a couple ladies that are constantly selling me, sending me postcards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I've talked to real estate agents. I was I was thinking about moving a couple years ago. Who just I actually one came out here and just kind of dropped off to the planet. I have no idea. You would think they'd be working me, right? Right. I find that so curious, so interesting. Well, it's the persistent and consistent behaviors, right? Science tells us that, you know, someone has to see you nine times in order for them to know and remember who you are. That's science. It's not, you know, anything made up here. So if I'm in front of the same person nine nine to 10 times, I have a higher chance of them, you know, listing their home with me than another agent that's out there. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to do 50 transactions this year as a solo agent, which is pretty good. And, um, you know, without any team members at all, except my, my part-time transaction coordinator. And our average home sale price is 500. Right. I have a friend of mine who came from a family of real estate agents. And she hates real estate agents. (laughs) And she was trying to sell them um, marketing services, like teach them how to run an email list. You said that you had a drip. You said you had a drip campaign. Yes. And she was just amazed at how few wanted to do anything. 
they would take her class, but they wouldn't take action on it. I think that's the mindset of the agent that comes from, I'm spending money. You know, I make a commission check and that's kind of paycheck employee mindset, right? I get my commission check and then it's mine. Well, no, you need to be the CEO of your business, right? Where that commission check is, yes, 50% of it's yours. 30% 30% goes to the goes to the government and then the other 20% should be reinvested into your business. I think that's where a lot of agents miss the point. We're so focused on getting the commission check and then, you know, um paying our bills and everything. Yet, once we treat ourselves like an LLC or an S corp and pay ourselves as the employee, um, you know, that uh, to me that for me that's when things shifted as well. Um and 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 a lot of agents kind of miss that point. And that totally makes sense too, because especially if you start out working for some real estate agency, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to be building a relationship, a Rolodex of people. I would think you want to be taking them with you. If you, if you go elsewhere or you want to strike out on your own or. Yeah. I, I mean, email is a great way. An email is a great way of like doing that. Well, yeah. Your data pat, database constantly goes with you. Right. You know, I've only changed companies twice now, and but my relationships have lasted, whether I was with company A or company B. It wasn't about, you know, whose logo was over my name. It was about Jennifer, all right, and, and the, the service that she's going to provide me as opposed to A or B company. How do you pick a company? <laughs> it really is a, a good choice. Um, uh, it really is smart to pick one that's best suits your needs. I mean, that's kind of a tough question because there are so many great brokers out there, but it it's not necessarily, in my opinion, the brand or the franchise, okay, that you sign up with. I think it's more of a connection with the training, technology, and culture that the broker in your office is going to provide you. I mean, I'm lucky enough that my mom is my broker. So we have really, and as the um, vice president of business development and training, it really is my job to kind of create this culture and the training program that really is going to support the agent. I mean, you know, I hear a lot of agents who, you know, ultimately move over to our brokerage say, I didn't get the support. There was no training, let alone no, there wasn't any culture within our office. And that's what they're missing. So if you can find a broker that's able to provide at least three of those things, those, um, I think that's, that's the kind of broker you want to be with. How do you build a culture when you're in a pandemic and, you know, the vast majority of you are working from home or working out of your cars, I would think. Um, How do you do that? Ironically, we saw during the pandemic, our office meetings attendance increase as opposed to when we would meet in person. Um, So I, I think it is really just staying, we're staying in touch with the agent as to, you know, what would, what were the current events and current things happening during the pandemic? Can I be a real estate agent or do I have to stay behind the scenes and I can't leave my house? You know, what are some ways that 
that I can provide, you know, services to my current clients during the pandemic. Staying in touch, just like you do with your clients, is really the way that our culture continued throughout. We also do, we did a, um, you know, client appreciation where all of our agents were able to invite their clients in um, to our office, not during the pandemic, but in the past. And what we were thinking of doing is kind of doing something similar, uh, you know, where we created a wind down Wednesday for our agents over over a Zoom meeting. So it, it was, you know, just like with our business, we just shifted everything to, you know, over Zoom where we can meet face to face because it was a time, obviously, that we couldn't be in the office. You're laughing, Pat. It's interesting, isn't it? <laughs> What's the interesting part? Well, I tell you, I actually do the same thing, right? It's today's Tuesday. It's Taco Tuesday. And out of the co-working space, the makerspace, the Fox Build space that I work out of, you know, we're not going in, but right. we're still doing Taco Tuesday over Zoom. <laughs> yeah, so you're still eating, you're you're still conversing. We're talking about things that are going on in people's lives as well as their business. I, I mean, I, I'm still part of a networking group where we meet at 8 a.m. the first Tuesday of the month via Zoom. We're still meeting, yep. having breakfast with yep. each other. You know, I, I mean, we're and we're still networking. And believe me, I have gotten a, you know a listing out of it. So, you know keeping those relationships, whatever way you, that, that means for, you know, for you as a salesperson it is really, you know, what it's all about. You know, a lot of agents, you know, um, kind of had a meltdown moment during the pandemic. And I, I didn't understand it. I'm like, why? I don't get it. I don't get it. Um, because all we had to do was shift our business online. I mean, during the pandemic, I listed seven houses and put four of them in contract during the same time period. So I didn't understand why agents were so worried when all we had to do was give our presentation that we typically do in their living room in our own bedrooms. And while the other person was in front of, in front of their own computer and in their living room, you know, it, it just right. was bizarre. Yeah. If you could give other real estate agents or maybe our listeners, you know, people who sell all kinds of things, if you could give them one piece of advice that they could go and take action on this week, what would that be? Uh, to learn or at least get a, a good idea of what the DISC personality profile is. Oh, Interesting. Yeah. I, you know, I really put a lot of psychology into my sales. And once we learn to understand, like I was speak, saying before, if we understand the person who is and their personality in front of us, that's, I think, the shift that we all need. I mean, and it's not going to be just be in your sales relationships either. If you learn DISC, Okay, and you're able to. And define, apply and, why don't, and why don't you define disc? Why don't you define disc for our uh, for our listeners? Oh, disc is just a personality profiling as assessment where basically um, you are a form. You are all four of the DISC personalities. Yet two of them are basically what stand out, and one is 
nature, um, what you're born with, and the other the other one, the second one, is basically a part of your environment or or in the manner that you grew up. It's just nurture. Personality profiling. Yep. So I'm a high DC. How about you, Pat? I don't remember. <laughs> I don't think I've ever taken the disc. No? <laughs> I've done Myers Briggs and okay. I did that. I've done a whole bunch of strength finders. I don't right. remember what I am in all of them. Well, you. I don't know. So what, what do you think I am? What do you think I am? Can you I'm tell? A CS. What, what does that mean? Just by, uh, well, a C is someone who is a supporter. Yep. Um, um, let's see. And is and the S is someone who is very cautious. Oh. I think you are those. And just by listening to you, because you speak slow. And you just <laughs> don't. See, I speak very fast, Pat. But I, but knowing that you and I are talking to each other, I really, if you listen to me when you go back, I changed my tone to kind of match yours. You mirrored me. I definitely did. Well, <laughs> I'm often a pretty, actually, I'm often a pretty fast speaker. In fact, I talk too fast, I think. And, um, and I've tried to, I've really trying to listen on in, during these interviews and I really want to hear what you're saying. So I want to be pretty clear in my mind that um, I'm not thinking what I'm going to say next. I'm actually listening to what you're saying and responding to it as it, as it happens, That's just crazy. like, right. In any, in any kind of sport, right? You're not, you shouldn't be thinking ahead. You should just be wondering, where's the ball right now? Where's the ball right now? Yes. Yeah, when I get the ball, <laughs> then when I get the ball, I'll decide what to do with it. But, um, of course, I've been watching a lot of NFL. So I can't help but think about, oh, he had made a decision what he was going to do when he caught the ball ahead before he caught the ball. And that's why he didn't catch the ball. Right, right. <laughs> exactly. We're already thinking what we were do, planning ahead, right? Yeah. So, and actually I found this too, because I've sold out East a lot. I sell New York city, New York a lot. And Easterners talk much faster than they do in the Midwest. I used to sell down South and they speak a whole lot slower. Right. Right. Well, I lived in Wyoming and just outside of the suburb in the suburbs of Chicago. So my y'all sometimes comes out. We don't do y'all out here in Chicago. No. Maybe it was from, yeah. <laughs> but but you might in Wyoming. Yeah. <laughs> sure. You might say you all, you all, but you would never say a y'all. That's not Great Lakes English. No, not at all. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's funny. All right. So, if people wanted to find you, wanted to connect with you, how could they do that? Yeah, I'm huge on uh, Facebook. It's my one platform, social media platform. All the others I are just too mind-boggling for me. So <laughs> Facebook, I'm uh, forward slash com, And I'd also love to give your listeners, Pat, a free download of my book, Become a Rockstar Real Estate Agent. And you have the website that I hope you can include here at um, www.rockstar.com agenttraining.com. I most certainly will stick it in the show notes so that people who are listening to this while driving or going for their long walk or whatnot um, can find that. So, uh, 
Jennifer, this has been a ton of fun. Thank you very much for babbling here on Sales Babble. No, you bet. It's definitely been fun, Pat. Thank you. To learn more about our guest, go to the show notes at www.salesbabble.com and you can find this episode and all the show notes for past episodes right on the homepage. Now, one of the best ways people hear about Sales Babble is from listener reviews. If you could go to your favorite podcast app and leave us a five-star comment, that would be really great because word of mouth is how podcasts spread. If you have a question or a comment about this episode or any episode, don't hesitate to reach out by clicking on the Babble Me button right on the website. Love to hear what you think. That's all we've got for today. So until next Tuesday, take care and have a highly successful and a profitable selling day. Thank you for listening to the Sales Babble podcast. Find us at www.salesbabble.com. This is a production of Abenero Media.